0: Doing good, recording at a unique time. I know people are probably not listening at a unique time, but we're recording at a unique time.
1: I bet most people listen to podcasts at weird times, like early in the morning, um, you know, late in the evening, you know, it's workout time. You know, you put your earphones in when your wife's talking to you so you can pretend like you're listening to her, you know, <laughs> those kind of things.
0: Exactly. Um exactly.
1: So, Jimmy, let's, let's talk about, first of all, uh, we're sort of – we're like a day behind basketball-wise because it's, it's tough to do these pods on a daily basis when the basketball games generally end very late. Last night ended very late again. Alabama looked pretty uh, pedestrian out there for a while, and then they ended up taking care of UNLV by 10, which was about the spread. Um, we're recording this at the halftime of the Providence game, and Alabama looks pretty good. I'm going to say this, though, like, the, we're missing some fluidity. We we look pretty mechanical out there. Um, I would like to see this game flow for everybody a little bit more. I'd also like to see things like John Petty, look, God bless you, and I, he just tried a dunk that would have brought the house down if anybody had been in there. But um, <laughs> it didn't work, and he was fouled, but that showed some athleticism. But John Petty bringing the ball up the court is just not a pretty sight. There've been several times like he loses control, and then even if he's able to regain control, what it does is it starts the the possession all disjointed. I want yep. you know let let's, let let Quinterly, let Primo, let those kind of guys, uh, Shackelford, let them bring it up the court, and keep uh, maybe even Keon Ellis. I I don't know. I hadn't seen enough of Keon Ellis to know. Um, I know Keon Ellis had a nice assist a minute ago to Shackelford. Shackelford's playing his ass off, by the way. Uh, he plays hard. Seven. Yeah, he play, He wants to play. He loves playing basketball. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm. I wish that Alabama had gotten that win over Stanford, certainly, or played them closer, certainly, because Stanford went on to lose the next two. Um, but if we get out of Maui with two wins and one loss. I think that's an overall win, right? And I say Maui. Well, they'd be – qu-
0: yeah. Yeah, they'd be quality wins, uh, you know, because, you know, UNLV is going to win games. I mean, they're, they're not a bad team. I don't know that they're going to be in the tournament, but they're, they're going to win games. Providence is going to win games. They play in a really tough league. And, uh, you know, the le- their league as a whole is going to be rated highly. So, I mean, th- these are good quality wins over quality teams. Uh, the loss to Stanford, Hurts. Uh, uh, because it's a loss, but Stanford is going to win a lot of games uh, once they're not playing North Carolina, and they didn't play well at all today against Indiana. But uh, but again, I mean, this was a, this is a loaded tournament field. Every, everybody's good. Everybody that's winning games is picking up quality wins, and teams that are losing games aren't really hurting themselves when it comes to uh, March Madness time. Because uh, you know, again, I, if Stanford it finishes in the top three in the Pac-12. Uh, this that, that loss uh, that Alabama suffered is not, not going to ding them uh, at, at tournament time.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be okay. Um, I, look, and and even though this is a weird year, we're not going to get all our games in. It, games are going to mean more. Number one, I like that, by the way. I like that you can't just lose uh, 12 games. And everybody's like, geez, they're an obvious tournament team. No, 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 no. You You can't do that this year. You lose 12 games, you ain't playing in the damn tournament. So, um, I'm, I'm for that. Uh, but overall, you're, you're four games in. Your impressions of the basketball
0: team? Talented group. Definitely some talent out there. Uh, sort of fun to watch because it's, they're fast paced. Uh, going to be real dependent on how well they shoot. Uh, last night, they shot really well and won. Uh, the first night uh, against Stanford, they didn't shoot well at all and lost. I think, we're, I think that's something we're going to see all season long in terms of a pattern. Uh, I love uh, I love Primo. I think uh, he has extraordinary talent, extraordinary player. Probably a kid that will improve a lot as the season goes on, and then next year be one of the better players in the whole SEC. Uh, in, in terms of the new guys, he's impressed me the most. Quinterly's great and a little frustrating. Uh, I'm not. I think Quinterly's sort of rough around the edges to to some extent. He, he's not an ice cold point guard, uh, but he's a good ball handler. He he goes to the rim. He's tough. I think he defends fairly well. He's a pretty good shooter. Uh, I, I think Quinterly is a good player. He's a positive asset. He's just not the athlete that, that Kyra was, uh, but, but overall, Quinterly's fine. Uh, we're a good team. We're not a great team. Um, I think the problems, and you've already mentioned a couple, Luke, I, I think the problem is that we have four guys back from last year, and then the other eight guys are new. They're new, and yeah. there is no chemistry. They, they haven't played together enough in games. And uh, But what my hope is, instead of having a February collapse, like our team seems to have annually had for about eight years, where they look pretty good, and then in February they collapse, I think this team might be playing its best basketball in February because by that time – all the newness is off, and and they're used to playing with one another. So I, I think it's a group that will probably get better as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, and I like the fact that last night we only played eight guys. I mean, obviously, you want to, you'd love to see everybody get some action in a perfect world, but uh, I think it's better um, if you you only have a game, you, you have a game where you're Alabama that you only play about eight or nine guys. That's a good rotation to me. Um, that you know the the whole play eleven guy or twelve yeah. guys. I just who who can get in a flow that way? It's like having a platoon of running backs. I mean, I think you gotta have you can't play four running backs. It's just not a not a thing. Uh, tonight um, we've played more than that. We've played ten, but uh, so far up, up to the half. But uh, last night we only played the eight, and I and I like the direction that's going. And this is also Oates trying to you know. So his oats. I mean, he's. Boy, that was We're terrible. trying
0: to figure it out. You got to figure yeah. it out. You can't just assume and practice or assume on a pen and paper what your rotation is going to be. I think you kind of have to use use these first few games to figure it out. I, I think every team's different. I'm with you. I sort of growing up in the Wimp Sanderson era. People don't remember this, but Wimp Wimp basically played like eight guys. I mean, and back yep. then you could have fifteen on scholarship, and 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 we still only played about eight guys. You know, uh, and and that's how Wimp did it, and that's fine. But I think every team is different, and I think maybe some teams are, are, are absolutely at their best when you're putting no more than seven or eight guys out there, and then other teams are, are built to play more guys, and, and, and somehow it all works. Uh, I think every team is just kind of different. you got to figure out which, which this team does. I know I'm comfortable with the smaller rotation because that's what I'm used to. We played good with it last night. On the other hand... You know, uh, Keon Ellis, I think, is going to end up being one of our better players. He was sick, and and that's why he didn- couldn't play last night. But he's on the floor in the first half tonight, and you know, just like any other new player, he's just got to play more minutes before before he's a dude. But uh, I I think we're, we're, this is a good basketball team. I, I know this uh, based on how we played here. I, I know it's not going to be pretty every night out. It won't be a thing of beauty. But uh, I'm going to be disappointed if we're not in the NCAA tournament. I think we got too many good players oh, yeah. uh, not to be in the NCAA tournament.
1: And it could be worse. Texas A&M is down by two to Tarleton. Um, Tarleton who's, sounds like – Who's he? I know. Tarleton sounds like a place where Robin Hood took some of the stuff he stole from one of the richer places. And he's like, here, I got to drop some of these, these gold coins and frankincense over in Tarleton, y'all. I'll be back. Um, all right, let me tell everybody about Coors Light. CoorsLight.com and Coors Light, you know, it's the beer made to chill. And it's been cold, but it ain't as cold as it is in Golden, Colorado, where they brew this nectar of the gods called Coors Light. We all love it. Uh, The first name was going to be Ambrosia, and they said, that's already taken. Let's go with Coors Light, and it tastes like Ambrosia. Though it's absolutely delicious. You know you want it. You know you want to head out to your Circle K right now and say, you know, how many Coors Lights can I fit in my car? That's what you ought to do. Get home, have a party, a chill party, because Coors Light is made to chill. Again, brewed right there in Golden, Colorado. As I've said, I've toured that facility. It's awesome. So go to, uh, go get, get you a Coors Light, book a ticket to Golden, Colorado, tour the facility, tell them Luke sent you, and that may get you something. I doubt it, but it might. We want you, we, we want you to celebrate responsibly with Coors Light, so be sure and do that while you're celebrating this win. I think we're going to get over Providence tonight. Coors Light and CoorsLight.com.
0: How do you know what ambrosia tastes like? Oh, I've, have you never had it? No, I mean, is is it a real no, thing? I thought that was like a lit. I thought that was a literary fictional thing. No, it's
1: literally a actual dessert that the Greeks used to have, and they called it the uh, the uh, food of the gods. Gods, and it it doesn't taste like food of the gods. I mean, food of the gods feels like it'd be something a whole hot le- lot better than what this was. I mean, ambrosia is like oh. like coconut, huh?
0: Like a waffle.
1: Yeah. I, I, well, no, it's not, waffle. it's not a waffle. What are you talking about, a waffle? Oh. It's not a waffle in the least.
0: I would think you know food what it of the gods tastes a lot like waffle.
1: Oh. No, uh, this is – ambrosia is like oranges and coconut and – let me see. Uh, let me look it up. Coconut? Yeah. It's oranges yeah, and yeah. coconut and it's, it's like a fruit salad. But you gotta remember, like back oh, in the i yeah. I've
0: had I've had it before. Okay, I know what it is. And yeah, walnut. It's not too
1: good. And um and like I'm looking at this this uh it's not too good. recipe right like, listen to this recipe I just found on allrecipes.com. Uh, two cans of mandarin oranges drained, two cans of fruit cocktail drained, one cup of chopped walnuts, two cups of miniature marshmallows, two cups of flaked coconut, and one container of sour cream. What the hell were the gods thinking? Ruin anything that's, else uh, out
0: here? That's awful. That sounds like uh, what they use to make that uh, one fruitcake that travels around the world during Christmas that everybody gives to each other and nobody eats, and they just keep re-gifting it. It's probably baked it, in 1977, and no one's eaten it yet. Did the gods not
1: have pork butt back then
0: or scallops or
1: lobster? <laughs> Apparently not. So, I, well,
0: it's just proof they were all wrong about the gods.
1: That is true. Now, here's another thing, Jimmy. Uh, Speaking of good food, down there in Creole country, they have some good food. And um, I hope that Alabama gets to enjoy some of that while they're whipping Mm -hmm. ass Saturday night. Are they going to whip ass Saturday night? Or are they going to whip a lot of ass Saturday
0: night? I think Alabama's primed to play its best game of the year. I'm going to be a little disappointed if if it's not Alabama's best game of the year. I think Auburn was uh, close to the best game of the year, and I, I think the, it, it may continue. I think there's a lot of revenge here. I think there's a lot of motivation. It's not the same team that Alabama played in 2019, but it is the same school in the same uniform, uh, and, and I, I can see Alabama playing this game sort of uh, mad, and we don't see that a whole lot, but uh, when we've seen it in the past, there's been pretty good results. I, I think Alabama's going to play really well, and I think LSU right now was sort of built to quit, frankly. It's not just I'm not talking about Terrace Marshall coming out and, and entering the draft and, and starting to work on his, his combine work early. I'm talking about LSU is sort of a mess. I mean, personnel-wise. I mean, they're not even sure who their starting quarterback is gonna be. And we're up to game nine. And and they're basically having a competition between uh, Finley and uh and Max Johnson this week to to determine which one of their true freshmen. Is going to start the game. That's just not a good formula. The week that you're playing the number one team in the country, uh, I, I, LSU ha- has played a little better defensively as of late. But uh, Kellen Mond is just a lot easier to defend. than Mac Jones and uh, and his uh, his weapons that he has outside in the backfield. So uh, I I like Alabama big this weekend. And I know we'll do scores later in the week. But right now I'm leaning towards Alabama winning this game somewhere around forty nine to fourteen.
1: I could buy that, and I and look. My, one of my my main thing is just keep this thirty five point streak going. I want to put this as far out of reach as it can possibly be. You know, that's that that's what I want, and I want to put up as many points as we can on LSU. And honestly, I know you can say this about every game, but I legitimately really want to shut them out because they have not scored on us in Baton Rouge
0: since two thousand and twelve, um, right? Two thousand fourteen. Uh, now that you 14, mention it, fourteen. You mention it; that is cool, and and frankly, they could. I mean, defense played better and better. Um, one thing about LSU's offense that that is sort of stunning, if you think about it, the last few years, and especially last year when they have one of the great offenses in the history of the SEC. But it seems like LSU usually has like a dude that's sort of their bread and butter. That you know, like when they had Fournette or somebody. That it's like, well, you know, they got they got him; they can rely, rely on him. What does LSU rely on on offense? I mean, it's certainly not the quarterback position. They don't even know who that's going to be. They have good backs, but they don't have a running back that would even make fourth team all SEC. You know, Uh, uh, they don't have their normal big-time back. They did have a big-time receiver. I think Terrace Marshall's a really good player. It might be a first-round draft pick, but now he's gone. Uh, So all of their receivers are freshmen. The best player they have on offense is a freshman, the freshman tight end, Eric Gilbert. He is a matchup problem, and, and and he could be difficult if one of their quarterbacks could get him the ball. But uh, LSU's just sort of personnel-wise a mess, which is shocking. The year after a national championship, uh, the the way they recruit, uh, you know, having their, their their free reign in a, in a big population state, uh, LSU should be loaded, and they're not. They have some talented freshmen, and maybe they'll be good again in two years, but they're, they're a mess right now.
1: And we will talk more about this game uh, in the podcast, the prediction podcast tomorrow. Um, I'll be at the Super 7 in Tuscaloosa these next couple of days. Uh, Thompson is playing Auburn High School right now. I'm, I'm assuming am going to Oh, I guess it just started, didn't it? Yeah, it just started. And uh, so I'm calling the 2A and 3A championship game. So I got Montgomery Catholic. They got TJ Dudley on that team. And uh, so I'm looking forward to calling him again. Is uh, Gordo
0: playing in one of those games?
1: Gordo is playing in the 4A state championship and they're 4 a. Okay.
0: Yeah. They'll be playing exactly. Hanley. Who's got Dylan Brooks. Right. And Gordo has a junior quarterback, uh, Tanner Bailey, who is yep. probably the best junior quarterback in Alabama. He is one of our QB country guys. Good kid. Good oh, player. Cool.
1: Well, I'll give you a report on him, and uh, so the game is tipped back off in of the second half, Jimmy, so let's call this podcast today, and uh, maybe I'll come back and do a solo recap of the basketball game for the last segment, and uh, we'll do another podcast tomorrow afternoon. What do you say? Awesome predictions,
0: we, and uh, we're never wrong. We haven't been <laughs> wrong yet.
1: I predict we will be wrong this
0: time. <laughs> <That keeps laughs> and you're right it. again.
1: You're right, right again. again. <laughs> All right, buddy, roll tide. Roll tide. Hey again, everybody. Uh, final segment of this podcast. A little bit disjointed today. So much going on with uh, Jimmy and me right now. I am actually driving to Tuscaloosa this morning to go call the championship game, 3A championship game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Montgomery Catholic and Fife. Hope everybody can tune in on the HSA radio network. Montgomery Catholic does has a, have a couple of prospects on that team, uh, one of them being TJ Dudley, who's uh, – a good defender, uh, linebacker, and um, I think it's going to be fun to see him. I called him in the kickoff classic earlier this year against Pike Road. Thought he looked pretty good. He had his moments. He didn't He didn't play fantastic, but he had his moments. This Montgomery Catholic team is loaded, and uh, they're going to give Fife a good fight. But I really wanted to spend these few moments for this segment talking about the basketball team. And the basketball team, hey, kudos to them coming back. Uh, salvaging two games from the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, which, what an oddball thing to say. Uh, It's kind of like the Carrier Dome not having air conditioning, right? But, um, and I do think salvaged is the right word because they played two teams that that were far beneath Alabama um, and they were able to do what they had to do, but let's also call a spade a spade. They did not play well against Stanford, not at all. Uh, this team is beginning to find this groove a little bit. I think it's also beginning to find out that Josh Primo is, is going to be a problem for everybody else. Um He's he's a really good player. Let's also remember he's incredibly young, so he's going to have some growing pains, kind of like Kyra Lewis did in his first year. But I'm excited, uh, still excited, despite the Stanford uh, embarrassment, which is what it was. Um, but in basketball, you can get over that. So I think that let's all move on from it and be done with it. Um however I gotta bring up again, I wanted to talk about basketball, but I gotta bring up this Thompson Auburn championship game last night. Surely to goodness, y'all have all seen the highlights by now. Uh just an absolutely crazy game. Probably one of the best high school football games in the history of the state of Alabama, at least in terms of wackiest endings. But I would I'd argue that You know, top to bottom, this game was just unbelievable. Um, Connor Harrell goes out, the quarterback for Thompson. um, And and Thompson really looked lost for a while. They looked absolutely lost. And with with a 28 to, I think it was, 19 lead, Auburn had the ball. uh, About a minute and 15 seconds left. And they decided to kneel on it uh, to get them to fourth down. Thompson used their timeouts. Um, then Auburn goes back to punt and they sort of go out there in a nonchalant manner. Like my old basketball coach used to say they were nonchalanting around, um, which I know is not a thing, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, and he just goes out there and, and sort of lazily puts the ball and everybody lazily blocked. And you know what Thompson blocks it, returns it for a touchdown. And I watched the highlights again this morning that all of the whole Auburn team, were sort of like, hey, man, this game's over. Why are you still trying? That's what the look was. That's what the body language was from the Auburn High School Tigers. And I was about to be embarrassed myself because I had been on several programs saying, hey, look, I like this Auburn High School team, but they got no shot against Thompson. Auburn beat Thompson except for those last one minute and 11 seconds because after that punt was returned for a touchdown um, and there was now, I think, 20 seconds left, 19 seconds Thompson with an onside kick. They recover, which you see a lot of times in high school because that's kind of a hard thing to practice. Um, Thompson gets the onside kick. Two pass interference plays later, a la Derek Thomas in the kickoff classic against Ohio State. Thompson is in field goal range. And a kid who missed the first extra point of the game goes out there and nails about a 35-yarder uh, with zero zeroes across the board. Um, it was just a phenomenal moment. It made the very first story on uh, SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt. Um, just crazy. And, man, it, it, I hope this is a sign of things to come for these HSA playoffs because I'll be calling these games. I'd love to have a game like that. But anyway, everybody, uh, Roll Tide. We will give you a report on this and a lot more in our predictions podcast. And uh, y'all have a great day. Roll Tide.